Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew. We're all, we're all back together for a first time this season. It was only Sam last week. Westy was away, but he's back and he's beautiful, as beautiful as ever. Uh, it's great to have all the boys back together. So, uh, yeah, plenty to talk about. It's not going to be a fun one. Buckle up, everybody. It's not going to be fun or happy, but we're here nonetheless. Uh, we'll check in with the lads. Westy, you're back on for, uh, well, you were, you were here for the Mac, but for the season starting off, you're back. How are you? Yeah, yeah. I, I said I was only going to come on for the high-profile guests, but uh, that might have taken too long for you to get somebody else on. So I, I said I'd come back this week and see how you guys were doing. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. A lot of people have been asking for hair updates, Westy. Uh, actually, a frighteningly uh, uh, a huge amount of people have been asking about your hair. So, any update? Have you tried the Mac? No shampoo, no conditioner. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, <laughs> I caved during the week. I, I shampooed and conditioned. So I'm back again on the no shampoo conditioner. Was um, it getting pretty greasy or? Uh, well, I liked it. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, but uh, I'd had a few weddings and stuff, and you know, there was just a lot of. I had a beer sweat coming out of me all of my orifices, so I had to uh, had to clean that off. But uh, I've had a lot of weddings this summer, so my now I've, I've nothing happening for the next couple of months. Uh, so I'm going full Viking until Christmas. We're talking no no shave. Will you go full no haircut? Cornrows. Um, if someone wants to do the cornrows for me, uh, that's cool. I'll I'll have that. But I, I'll do them uh, before the Westport match now on Sunday. <laughs> do you know how to do cornrows? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> if anyone's if anyone's listening and can do cornrows, uh, get in touch and we will definitely set that up because uh, I want to see that. I think everybody wants to see that uh, going forward. Not sure how Wessie's girlfriend would feel about it, but look, it, we can we can cross that bridge when we get there, you know. Uh, Sam, how are you? Good, yeah. Uh, nice enough weekend. Other than the Connick match, uh, it was grand. We went out for uh, went out for a bit of dinner and then I didn't have a drink because the we were supposed to have a match on Sunday that got cancelled i don't know why uh but we just got a text saying it was cancelled apparently i got a text at nine o'clock in the evening and i could have had a drink but i didn't find the text until the next morning which was devastating news because i would have only loved a couple of pints but i was sure no hangover on sunday is probably better than a hangover on sunday so good 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 yourself now how do you do a nice weekend you were playing a bit of golf were you uh yeah played on friday evening actually uh played all right happy enough and then what did I do Saturday? Saturday, I unfortunately watched rugby. Um, would have went on the beer because God knows that game would have drove you to the drink. Uh, didn't though. And then Sunday, I did the radio in Loch Ray, which I do. And then I went for a few pints last night in Loch Ray, uh, which was fun. A little bit hungover this morning, but not too bad. Uh, it's never nice starting a Monday when you're kind of a little bit hungover. It's just not a good way to start your week. But uh, we're here, we're fighting on and... Unfortunately, we have to talk about Connacht. Uh, it's been a rough start to the year, boys. Uh, we're only two games in, so we'll not get too panicky, uh, and we'll try and be as positive as we can be. Uh, we like to be trying, or like to, we try and be positive here when possible. But um, it's another loss. Uh, Stormers thirty-eight points, Connacht fifteen points. Uh, another kind of frustrating day at the office. Frustration is definitely a word I would continue to use when it comes to Connacht at the moment, and I think we can see that in Bundy, uh, which we'll get we'll get to later on. But uh, Westy, can we let let's try and find some positives here? It was there was large chunks of that game where we were very much in the fight, right? Yeah, I think like I think that there's you know, there's a very big moment in the second half that kind of leads to a very sharp decline in the way we were playing um 
I think aside from that, apart from a, a pretty lackluster start and a pretty, uh, yeah, like lackluster kind of, I don't want to say an easy try to concede, but, you know, not the not a great organization defending, a couple of players getting crossed and a tackle that missed. Apart from that, we actually built really well into the game. And I feel like we managed our time quite well. And we, we forced a yellow card and we managed to capitalize off it. And we were in a position to start the second half really strong. And I think... I think we were pretty close to that. I think I think we had built into the game, and I think, like, I don't want to call it like a freak one-off accident, but it, like the red card does then completely derail us because it's a, unfortunately, it's a fourteen-point swing, you know. And I, I would say that that's a bit harsh because without that clean-out, we don't win the ball. Although it was a high tackle originally, and the jackler put his hands on the ground first, so technically he wasn't allowed to go for the ball. Um, but that leads to a, a pretty good try that puts us within four points of winning the game. But instead, we're a man down. And our heads completely go down, which is what we're used to seeing in Connacht. And they do some pretty fantastic passing and keeping the ball alive. They, they, they get a try in the corner. And from then on, it is a steady decline. You know, we have another try conceded in the first, and I think in the next 10 minutes, we're another try down. Um, but you wanted me to talk about the positives, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, um, we so far haven't mentioned one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think like in terms of our gameplay, like I thought like the first week against Ulster, we were, we were very lackluster and, Luckily, in the first kind of 20 minutes, so were Ulster. But then they picked up and we didn't. And I thought one of the things that we did very well in this game was we picked up after that first 10, 15 minutes. We really grew into the great game quite well. And I think a lot of players kind of stood up and like the likes of Porchy in particular, I think you guys said it last week as well, but like really kind of stood up and started to drive kind of forward. Um, and even I thought Connor Fitz had a kind of up and down game, but he grew into the game quite strongly. Um, so I think a lot of those things were there. I think if we don't get that red card, I don't want to say we would have won it because I do feel like Stormers always kind of had another, you know, the commentator said it as well, but they, they did have stuff in the tank. Like they are a really good outfit, but we could have run that game a lot closer. Like that could have been, again, if we get that try, we're right there in it. And we had been, we were playing quite good rugby. And our, our line defense was actually really strong. We were like our, our, um, our, um, Mall defense was really good. Our, our goal line defense was really strong. We managed to hold them out. Like it was just, it's that open field tackling where I think our system isn't taking shape. Particularly the first try, there is a cross. There's a point, I think, where it's Butler and Connor Fitz are both standing in like one behind the other, kind of blocking a channel. And there's no communication as to who's meant to be drifting out and who's covering who. Um, but other than that, I thought our defensive system was taking shape. Just, uh, I think our, like our defensive system seems to have improved, although it, it took a lot of time to, to, develop as the game went on like I thought our goal line defense was a lot stronger I thought our mall defense was much improved um, I mean they're quite a hefty pack and we managed to hold off their driving mall a few times um, I thought we were unfortunate in the scrum I thought a couple of the, the pennies that went against us kind of shouldn't have gone against us um, the rooks were also refed pretty strictly like there was no leeway given there at all like you were given two seconds to roll away and if you didn't you were pinged um, so I, I feel like one of the, like, although we had a lot of improvements from the week before, one of the things we've carried on from the last season is that when one thing goes wrong, we tend to let a second and third thing go wrong as well. So when we get that red card, our heads are down and they really have no business scoring that try. And there is some great efforts made in the defence to stop them, but it's not a team effort. It's, it's a couple of individuals who kept their heads on whereas everyone else has went down. There's definitely two forward passes in that try as well. I've watched it back and... Even even if they're not forward, even if they're they're marginally backwards or flat, the fact that it doesn't even go to TMO, TMO review really freaks me out. Like, sometimes you're watching games and things are like it's the last pass and it leads to a try. It needs to be looked at regardless of if it is or not. Like, just it doesn't look like the TMO is doing their job if they're not picking up on that because two of them look very close. 
as you say, like yeah, fair enough. While they're preparing for the penalty or the conversion, yeah, Timo have a look. Like that's what he's there for. But um, to, yeah, touch on your point, Westy. Yeah, like before that Bundy strike card, we were definitely looking like we at least get it within losing bonus point range, which I think is not a bad result when you're over there, especially after last week. And it's something that we said from last year. We really need to up up our game in terms of at least when we're having a bad day at the office, you're coming away with at least a point. Like we'll get talking about months or later on. They've had two bad weeks and they have two points on the board from two losing bonus points. Um, and that stuff really stands to you at the end of the year, especially like we talked about last year. Connacht, if they had have got a couple more uh, losing bonus points, you're up near that eighth spot and you're fighting for Europe. And it's just really frustrating. We'll we'll get. Well, actually, Sam, we'll come to you. Sam, what did you think? You're obviously known as being Mr. Positive when it comes to Connacht. Uh, I have to say I was very negative after the game. As time has gone by, I've, I've started to see more positives. But uh, what was your kind of view of the game? I'm really disappointed with the result and with the outcome uh, and with you know the red card for Bundy and the subsequent kind of the aftermath of it. Just even for his own sake, the, the pylon on Twitter has gotten a bit over the top, I think. But... Uh, what I've taken from it and what I took from it at the time was we probably had no business winning it. Everyone said at the start of the season, we'd be lucky to get one or two points from the opening five. We're away in the Stormers. I can't see them losing more than one game at home this season. Uh, and we made them look quite one-dimensional from about the 10th minute right through till that red card at 60. Uh, I thought that we were on the ascendancy. I thought that they weren't playing with any real flair. It was only when the red card came, they started to open up a bit and that opened the game up a bit for both of us. But yeah, I thought that they were quite one-dimensional. I didn't. Think, I think they they were looking like they were out of ideas. They obviously, being the champions, would have another gear to move up if we had put the pressure on and scored that try. But once we started to grow in a bit of confidence and actually play our game a little bit more, you saw Mac and you saw Porchy, you saw Marmion making breaks far more in the mould of the way that we know and love to see them play. Uh, I think earlier on we were maybe, and the same with the Ulster game, a bit too conservative. If you look at like even offloads, it's still only four compared to one last week, but compared to any game that last year, that's that's nothing for a Connacht team. Uh, possession, 64%. Tackles, like Westy was saying, I thought we were actually quite good with tackles. We only had to make 67 to their 144, so it actually wasn't that attritional a game for us, but we missed 12. And it's those open field tackles, those one-off misses that kind of cost us. The Roos one, I think Byron's unlucky because he actually just falls over. He slips on some bad ground and he falls, and that opens up that gap there. But on the whole, I thought he defended quite well at 13. I think he's the most tackles from the team. Uh, and some of them were quite big and, you know, they, they, he showed a good bit, I think. And I think he grew into it with confidence on the ball. He looked, there was one line he took on the line and nearly got over. I think he probably could have reached it. You know, he took it with a lot of aggression and really quick. So I think that there's plenty of positives to take from around it. The biggest positive being that I think that uh, Dylan Tierney Martin has firmly confirmed his place as the, uh, the starting hooker for Connacht for the next while anyway, until Heff gets back into some fitness where Delahunt gets uh, or back in some form and Delahunt gets back in some fitness. I think Tierney Martin was excellent. Porchy again, probably unfortunately for Connacht was excellent because he's just he's just rising his own price tag, shopping himself around Europe if he wants to leave. If Connacht don't get their act together, a player his standard needs to be you know needs to be competing for honors and you know that's what you'd want for him. So I thought he was very good. Yeah, I thought Blade was good until he got injured, and I thought yeah, Fitz he had an up and down game, but there was parts there and you know all across the park. I actually think that there was positives. Uh, I'm just really disappointed with what happened after the red card. There's not much you can do against the, the champions away in South Africa when you're a man down. But yeah, it, it's the the scoreline kind of flatters them a bit. I don't think that they they were worth the 38-15 at all. And I think Connacht actually 
weren't bad. And I think if you took that game plan and that style of game to Munster in two weeks, I think that you'd have a lot more questions to ask of Munster. Uh, and then subsequent games throughout the season, I think that kind of can, can show to be very competitive. I think that that's a team that that's a team that will be fighting for the championship again at the end of the season. And to go there and actually scare them the way we did and them to kind of get away with one because of the Bundy red card. Like I'm not saying it, we would have definitely won. I don't think we actually would have. I think we would have just come close, but it would have been a very competitive game and we would have been able to walk with our heads held high. And then one moment of madness kind of just ruins that, which is, it's really unfortunate. Uh, but I think that, yeah, after the initial disappointment of the result and the, the kind of the collapse at the end with the 14 men making it look much worse than it was, after you get over that, I think that there is a lot of positives you can take and it's a far better showing than Ulster the week before. Yeah, I, th- I agree. That's the, that was part of the frustration afterwards is because, yeah, we were like, we did have a foothold in that game, as you said, after the 10, 15 minute up until Bunny's red. And um, I'm looking here again, like they scored four penalties and I can pretty, at least nine of those points out of the four penalties, as was 12, nine of those points were silly penalties that they were given away. And this as you is, said, you're, you're away to the champions in South Africa. You can't be giving them these just freebies, you know, and that's something that we've said last year and this year again, it seems to be an issue, discipline. Um, let's talk about Bundy, obviously the red card. No one's going to argue that it wasn't a red card because it's a stonewall red card. Um, didn't cover himself in glory, that's for sure, when, when arguing with the referee. But as I kind of said at the time, it just kind of sums up the mood at the moment with Connacht. He's frustrated and I think Bundy definitely feels like he needs to make a big impact when he comes on a pitch. Uh, because of his standing with, with Connacht, which is understandable, but he comes in I read, flying. I read a stat on Twitter. He's only ever started on the bench for Connacht eight times. Seven of those times he's come off the bench, we've lost. Once other, he didn't get off the bench, was the only game we won of the eight times he's been a, a sub. Like it's, I think, yeah, I think he's too high-tempered high temp, high or too, too kind of involved in the game emotionally for him to be able to come off the bench and kind of keep it clear and just kind of get through the motions. I think he just comes on and he wants to fix something. We we said before Connacht games where like you know he is Prendergast is a bit like that now as well where he feels like he can he can win a jackal in every ruck or you know he's involved it's like okay just just relax and just like pick and choose your moments, uh but it's it's silly it's reckless it's he comes in at a high speed like I understand he's saying the referee where do we go but look I I do get these lads grew up and were were were. Uh, coached a totally different way to what it is now and you know five years ago that's a great hit it's a great clean out it's it's been around now for at least what two years this whole kind of don't be hitting them ahead at least now it's not an excuse anymore um i'm sure i'm sure bunny will say that now i'm sure in the moment he was upset but um you just gotta change it's, it's not like it's new do you know what i mean they have to be saying this week in week out and coaching they're not gonna no one's still coaching that way no one in connacht is saying go in and nail them I understand, yeah, you might not clear him off the ball, but I'd rather Bundy on the pitch for the last 20 minutes than us getting that ball out of that ruck. So uh, it's just frustrating. But, Westy, what do you think? Obviously, Bundy's getting a lot of shit in the in the media at the moment, which is uh, especially from one person who has been out to get him for a couple of years. We won't mention his name, but uh, he's a clown. But um, what was your reaction when you saw it? Were you, were you disappointed, angry? What was your feelings? Um... I wasn't angry. Like I, I don't think I, I wasn't screaming the f in Egypt or anything like that. I, I just think it was. I was disappointed. Like you can see, I mean, someone like Bundy, um, you know, he, he is such a high-profile player for Connacht, and he's kind of he's he's used to. He is a player that makes a difference, whether it be on the pitch or on the side of the pitch or in a training park. And I think he comes on and really wants to make that difference. And I think he sees what we need to do to go forward and just gets a little bit too. 
uh, maybe tunnel vision. You know, I think there isn't really much excuse. There's no excuse for the behavior after, first of all. Like, when have you ever seen a ref change his mind? Like, at, at the very worst, at the very least, it's pointless. You know, at the worst, it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, but, yeah. Even, like, the, even the back chat to Butler, like, Butler was like, yeah. leave it, and he wouldn't. He just kept going. Yeah, like what does he? Like I understand, and even you know, some pundits have come out and said, "Look, it, it's the heat of the game. You're not necessarily thinking about the, what the band's going to be like or whatever. You're kind of just you're just reacting, and and that's understandable to an extent. But you're also, you know, you, you've been a, a professional player for a long time now. You're you're an adult. You have a family. Like you kind of need to be able to rein yourself in at some point. Um, I I do think with the hit, like th- there is time to adjust. You know, I, I think. I think it's made look a little bit worse. Um, obviously, when it's slowed down, I think I heard the initial South African commentary and they were like, oh, great hit. It's only when you slow down, you see it. I'm not making excuses because it's an awful hit. It's a hit in the head. Like It is it is a red card fence. Um, and I think what one of the killers for me is, although Bundy is coming from a bit of distance behind, he does have time, you know, you'd say take an extra second and adjust your angle and really get on him and clear him out rather than flying in and throwing your shoulder and, you know, what ends up happening is you hit him in the head. Um, not angry at him, I'm disappointed. Like, it, it's a long run of games. And taking away from who Bundy is to Connacht, it's just a centre now who's going to be banned for six weeks. And it's it's not like we have the most depth in the world. We have, you know, we have Munster, we have, sorry, we have Bulls, Munster and Leinster, I think, are either three or three of our next four games or our, our, our three next games. Um, and we're really going to need as many players as possible because we just, we don't have the luxury to have seven games in a row and be able to drop players blade he's gone now for a bit i don't know i didn't hear exactly if he's how he's, long he's out for but he's he's flying home uh in a couple of days and then he's getting a scan they have no idea how bad it is i know he's out of the ireland games anyway so um yeah it, it's just not a time of the season we can really afford to be losing these players so I, i'm disappointed i'm a little bit kind of frustrated with it um but i'm not angry at him as a player like th- these things like again, I'm not excusing. I'm not saying like, oh, injuries happen, but like players do these things and heat a moment. And unfortunately, like until it's going to take some time for this behavior to be completely phased out. The really unfortunate thing for Burnley, and that's what I've heard so much already and read so much already, is like this is his third red in the space of three years. You know, he had two for Ireland, both high tackles. Like, um, again, not a lot of context put in that one of them is against Big Billy Vinopola, who like is falling at the time. Like, um. So it's it's look it, it it's really disappointing and it it puts Connacht in an awkward position, um, and unfortunately as well like even though it's not necessarily true and me and Sam have said it it might not tell you've won us the game but all you see is the fourteen point swing you think God like we had fought back into that game and unfortunately that is the defining moment of the game there's no two ways about it. Yeah, the 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 press conference was today. Both Conor Oliver and Deval Senecal both obviously highlight that as the turning point in the game. Um, I think, yeah, with Bundy, look, at he, he lives on the edge. That's what also makes him a great player. You know, physicality-wise, he he brings that kind of edge that can't lack. Um, we seem to be really lacking it this year so far. But, you know, unfortunately, it's going to come with the sort of stuff as well. Again, he needs to clean that up in his in his career. He, look, he's coming towards the end of his career, I'm sure, in the next couple of seasons. Um he probably won't change that much, <laughs> but you just need to pick and choose your times to do it. I'm sure he wanted to come in and make an impact. The game was going a frustrating way. All you know, last week was crap. I'm sure it's just like, oh, I, you know, feck this guy, get him off the ball, nail him, 
Um, and again, you know, growing up, you'd, he would have been absolutely praised for that fantastic clear out. And now it's a red card. It's just he also, it's just... he also gets lower than any man ever clearing a ruck out ever got, and still managed to get. That's how illegally like on his hands that tackler was. So it's so unfortunate. Like it's people won't call it unfortunate because he has previous, but he's like he's just trying to blow him out and your man is down so low you can't do it and you have to protect players and he has to be smarter than that and he has to realize that he's stronger than that guy all he has to do is stand there and wrestle him off and he'd be done uh or even at, you know on the most basic level if he stopped literally pointed to the your man's hands on the ground the ref would give his penalty uh and then they take back to the high tackle and potentially give a yellow uh because of the break that was on but yeah, it's just an unfortunate, really, really unfortunate time in the game. And it, it I'll just, push back on the unfortunate part because it's it's highly reckless. No, I mean it's unfortunate in terms. It's it's highly reckless. It, it's a deserved red card, and there's no there's no mitigation for it at all. I mean, what from Connick's point of view, it's unfortunate because they were on the ascendancy, and you know when you're potentially on the ascendancy, you're making breaks for the first time in the game. You you've kept yourself in the game. You've played quite well from the 10th minute until kind of the, the 50th minute or so. And then you have someone of the caliber and standing in the game that Bundy has to bring on. It's actually looking like it could be a masterstroke to have had him on the bench and he comes on and he could make a real big impact, see the game out. We unloaded some good players off the bench. You know, Hawkshaw came on, he didn't have the best of games, but that was potentially, these were potentially game-winning moments and it didn't happen. And the unfortunate side of it is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the incident with the red card is unfortunate. I'm saying that the whole surrounding of it and what happened to Connacht was unfortunate that you know it's he's trying to do something that he thinks is going to be a real positive like get them lads going something that we said didn't exist in the whole team last week and just it's he just executes it badly and there's no excuse for that no yeah yeah you're right I sorry I misinterpreted what you said and but you're 100 percent right and I want to talk about today the press conference the the Connor Connor Oliver and DeWalt Senegal were up um and I tweeted this as well, but they, they were still very positive. They are claiming, you know, be patient. Now, of course, they could be just told to say this, but um, I want to pick up on something that Dewal said, and I, I think it's very true, and it has probably been true for a couple of years now. He wants this team to be more aggressive, to be more uh, feisty, to be a bit more vicious. And he even said, he goes, it's just not really their natural way to be that way. Um, and he wants them to be that way. And like I think... I think he's spot on. I think the big two thing, the big thing we we're missing for the first two games there is that bit of aggression. I know, like Bundy brought it, unfortunately got a red card, but uh, maybe harnessing that a little bit better or using it a little bit better. I just don't know, like Sam, do, do Connacht have that player? I think in Bundy they do. I think in Oliver they do, and I think in the signing of Josh Murphy, I think that they brought that a player that's really grown into that sort of thing. And I think you saw it at the weekend. It was it was a huge improvement having Finley Beelham on the pitch because I think that he is phenomenal he runs really hard and he he brings that as well i think defensively and offensively but i think on the whole no they don't uh you have some very really skillful players you have your john porches you have your mark hansons your jack cardies marmine is a good defender you know don't get me wrong but he's not like a bitey like he's not like a little arsehole the way craig casey kind of people think craig casey is but actually craig casey is just a yappy little dog but uh, <laughs> he's a uh, no i don't i don't think that they have it naturally throughout the entire team but i think that there's it's dotted around i think murphy was brought in for precisely that reason and we've seen that i don't think we've seen the best of him yet but i think you've seen elements of that i think bundy wanted to bring it i think he wanted to you know bring people up with him and uh, i think finley has it uh, a little bit as well and then i think connor, connor oliver does have it yeah uh, I, I love watching Conor Oliver play. I think he plays like uh, we lost a lot of it with Sammy Arnold as well. I think because he he had that in him. But no, on the whole, I think what Duval Senegal is saying is very true. 
on the whole, I don't think we have that. I think we're more of a finesse style team and we need to really just learn a bit of that kind of arseholery uh, and kind of bring it into the game plan because I think that being a finesse team, being a team that can outplay another team only gets you so far. I think you need to have a more rounded game overall and being a dickhead is part of that. Yeah, I think a friend of the podcast, Owen Harrison, um, always had a great quote, at the end of the day, it's a game of winning collisions. Um, and I feel like sometimes, Connor, like I'm a big fan of Dylan Tierney Martin, but and he plays bigger than his size. But at the same time, I you know I'd love it if he was a foot taller or a couple of stone heavier, or, or you know you know what I mean. Like we just don't have that. Ireland doesn't really produce them, but we also don't have then the bank balance to to bring these lads in as well. And it just when it, like on a day like that where nothing's really going your way or against Ulster. You can't just, you know, set the tone physically and bust lads like some other teams can, and and that's disappointing. But look at, uh, as I said, Westy, the, the the main theme of that press conference today was was patience, and that Conor Oliver said a few times we're not far away from where we want to be. He he did say as well that they have introduced new attacking systems this year, uh, a new attacking shape, which is again, I, I I don't know if they're being told to say this to try and soften the blow of the performances, but. Uh, uh, do you agree with Conor Oliver? Do you think they're not far away from where they want to be at the moment? Um, it, it's tough to say, like, in a way. Yeah, I, I do kind of agree with them, but I'm going to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Like, if we want to look at, and, and look, we have to look at the preseason games because we don't have, we only have two games to go off, right? So we have to look at as much data as we have. The first game, we take a fairly heavy points conceding game against, um, uh, was it Brief? Uh, no, it was... Um, Cast. Uh, cast, sorry. Um, but then we have a pretty tight game against uh, Sale, which I think is pretty impressive. So the, the Ulster game, again, after the context of this weekend, it will definitely get to Ulster in, in a few minutes. But, you know, scoring a lot of points, looking absolutely brilliant in attack. So maybe that kind of drubbing isn't as telling as it used to. And I would say up until a point in the, in the Stormers game, our defence had really improved. And, and I saw, you know, you guys are talking about aggression and physicality and size, but it is defence, I think, in the whole that these things have been mentioned in the context of. And that's what we really have to look at, at fixing. And I think there are signs from the game against the Stormers that we've improved on those things. Now, the, the danger is that you fall into a monster against, uh, um, a monster against cast uh, feeling uh, last year where their young lads go out there and get this amazing victory. You think, oh, this is our turning point. There's the signs are there. And then here we are six months later and they're actually not there at all. We've, we've gone back a step. So there's a danger in believing him too foolhardily and being like, oh yeah, yeah, he's right. But there's a little bit of evidence of what they're saying. Things are changing and systems take time to embed. And we'll get to that when we talk about Munster as well. So like, there is a change. It, it, it isn't an easy fix necessarily that we can talk about, but I do see a change. I think unfortunately, because we get the red card at quite a crucial moment, this game isn't the best to pull data from. So, uh, I think we'll see quite a lot of change for the game against Bulls. I think that was probably always the plan because we are going to lose a few to the Ireland tour as well. Um, and the Bulls game might have been the game they were really targeting as, as to get maybe as much points from as possible. So um, we'll see next week. It's it's not overly promising, but I do see some evidence to what they're saying and that there are changes being made and we're, we're building towards something a bit better. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just want to see... Um... Again, results are obviously important, but like we all can sit here and be like, okay, if, if they give it a good lash or if we see the kind of content that we know are there and put up a, a bit of a physical fight towards the Bulls, we can take that with a bit more pinch of salt. Um, I want to wrap up this with the Connacht stuff. So I was delighted during the week when I saw that RTE were covering this game and I was like, oh, great, you know, it's RTE. It's the main stage in Ireland for Connacht. This will be great until... 
Darren Cave and I think it's Hugh Cahill uh, were on the commentary teams. And look, it wasn't the most positive game, but Jesus Christ, they would depress you. They were just miserable the whole game. I've never been a huge fan of Cave, and I think I actually had an argument on Twitter like a year or two ago, uh, which is not. I think most people on Twitter have have had an argument with Darren Cave at some stage, but like just dreadful stuff and again it's not because i've kind of biased right that like if that was any team i'd be like jesus these lads are being so negative and again not a whole pile of positive stuff to talk about but you're kind of being paid to put a or at least to make it entertaining to listen to if the game isn't great and they just kept repeating themselves and sam i know you you felt the same i had to turn at halftime i went over to super sport i couldn't listen to it anymore yeah no i i, I think there there's I struggle to listen to them now, to be honest. I think TG Carr are by far and away the best uh, punditry and the best kind of delivery of the match day experience. It, it benefits me because I'm a fluent Irish speaker, so I can I can understand it all. I know it might be frustrating for those who don't, you know, have a level of Irish and are watching it, but I think that they do. They've, they've innovated a lot of things that are good around rugby and other stations have to- taken elements of those things and kind of gone with them. Watching RT the other day, yeah, Cave, he just, he was so unbelievably negative. He was like needlessly harsh on a couple of occasions things like Oren McNulty who knows he made a mistake and you know he, he will be aware of that he kept kind of digging it in and digging it in I, I always I always get the feeling with him and I get the feeling with a couple of uh, pundits uh, ex-pros that you know that they're relishing in the fact that Connacht are losing uh, I don't know if that's a jealousy from the 2016 win or what it is but there's a couple of times a couple of different ex-pros that are on different media platforms that I find are just you know they kind of enjoy watching Connacht lose and it's frustrating to watch as a fan and that might be doubly you know, doubled up or compounded on myself when I'm frustratedly watching the match and I can see it and I'm seeing it unfold. But yeah, I don't think he he really adds much in terms of, uh, you know, ex-pros should be there to add expertise, not to just dig in on players. So yeah, it was it was a frustrating watch overall. Uh, I didn't turn over now just because I was watching it on the TV. But yeah, I, I much prefer when kind of turn on TG Carr personally. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't know fluent Irish, Sam, but uh, it's Misha Stefan. Uh, and it's Milo Milchan so you know what I mean you know what I mean that's most of it yeah like, that's, that's all I got uh, but yeah he like he had a dig at Mac for not being able to take down Roos and you're like the like, player oh, of the I, season from last year who's a number 8 running from the halfway line and it's like like the tackle technique wasn't great but like he could have drop kicked him with two blade like two fucking ice skates on he still wouldn't have taken him down like yeah if, again if you if he had said like oh you know maybe the technique is not great there like fair enough but it's a monster truck versus a Fiat Punto like it's not going to go well no matter how you, you spin it like do you know what I mean and at that stage the the horse is bolted do you know what I mean like you're not we're not reining that stallion back in uh very frustrating uh super sport were much better um and that was from South Africa. It was less by less by shit. From Which South is Africans. mental to think Which about. Is me- yeah, that's how bad this <laughs> state of affairs. Uh, but no, look, I said Connacht. We're always going to live in hope, and we're always going to, um, you know, they could go out and beat the Bulls, and it wouldn't surprise you one bit. So um, I, I do think, like, I think there's a, a couple of people that I've spoken to who are very, very down about the last two games, and I can understand because it's frustrating to lose. But in the context of it all, when you gave us the opening fixtures, a lot of people said zero points from the first six games. And you have to remember that and then just look at the steady improvements in the games. You have to remember that, that context. Like, I think there's there's very little to be gained from looking at, you know, in a way at Ulster who are putting 55 on Scarlet's away and then, like, the Stormers after that. Bulls has played it out, too. Like, these are really, really tough games. And it's going to take, you know, it's going to take up till Christmas to get a real sense of what this kind of team are about. But after the Ulster game, I was hearing people going, can't see this team getting four wins this year. I was like, 
after one game, like one game away in Raven Hill, you can't see them. Oh, no, I'd, I don't get the negativity personally. Uh, I think that there was, you know, if I see steady improvement in the next few games, that's all I'm asking for because these are such tough asks. You're looking the two finalists away in South Africa, then you're talking three interpros followed by Scarlet's away who just have the scariest and sexiest second row partnership of all time. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough opening to the season. But. Gallop away for his try. Oh, <laughs> like he was rapid like uh, Billy Burns had no shot no shot at catching him uh, anyway we, we digress we move on yeah but like to... Darren Cave Darren Cave wouldn't be like oh terrible tackle attempt there but <laughs> he tried to get in the way of five feet like. yeah in full flow uh, we'll move on to Leinster uh, they got a win at home to Benetton 42 points to 10 uh, main headlines from this obviously is Dan Sheehan with four tries I think he's one of only three players or something like that and the, fr- the only ever front row front rower I think um, to, to do that now look at West I think you said this in the group chat like, it's, it's it's impressive but you know he, he's not running the pitch here or he, he you know he's coming off the back of some pretty successful malls right yeah like it's not like he's uh, you know stepping three lads and barreling over a full back who's running across the pitch and is in the wrong position to tackle him it's you know it, it's it's a rolling mall off the back of a line out. He does very well to get the ball out, to get into space, to 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 turn the um, to steer the the, the mall the way it's going, and then obviously to finish. It, it, like it is great play, but it's not. Yeah, it's 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 not a solo effort. Let's say it is very. They're very much team efforts. Very well finished by Dan Sheen, and it's great to see. It's great to see that you know that that rolling mall is still such a weapon of of Leinster's because Benetton did get did disrupt a couple of them so it was interesting to see Munster or to see Leinster kind of readapt and, and shore that up and, and keep using it as a big weapon that it was last year um, they just have you know a sickening choice to make between Kelleher and Sheen at the minute and that's a beautiful thing to have it's it, it's similar to maybe what Connacht have with the scrum halves but or what the Leinster have in almost every position is that they have two first choice players who are able to push each other on there doesn't seem to be a negative environment around that like one doesn't seem to be irritated when the other is picked they seem to kind of relish in the opportunity to push each other and that's just an outside perspective obviously i'm not present in the camp i don't know what they i wish they I know what yeah <laughs> um, it's not like a brian nelson and mac Hansen situation you know <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> those, those guys hate each other <laughs> but uh yeah it's a really promising situation to be in and you know look as an irish fan long may it continue you know yeah, well that's yeah. The bigger picture, obviously, it's great, but as a cog supporters, it's it's not so fun. But but also, here comes Dylan Tierney Martin. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, DTM. You know what I mean. DTM. That's much. That's much more fun to say than Sheehan. Uh, <laughs> uh, for all he's starting at ten here. There's obviously been a lot of talk. Uh, a lot of people think the whole point of the Emerging Ireland Tour was to get Frawley playing ten for Ireland. Um, this emerging Iron Tour is quickly becoming a bit of a farce, but look, we could talk about that later on, maybe. Um, Sam, for all the attend, by all accounts, not not that impressive uh, against Benetton. No, I think it was a bog-standard kind of 10 performance. I think it was no no better than any of the performances that have led people to say Ross Byrne isn't the uh, next in line for the Irish thing. You know, it was a very professional performance from a 10 against a team that Leinster were much better than. He wasn't... Not much was asked of him and he didn't do anything wrong or anything right. But I think when Ross Byrne came on, he came on like a man possessed and really tried to open it up and add an el- extra element to it. So, yeah, it'll take Frawley a long time, I think, to to develop into a proper 10 if that is the way it's going to go. And hopefully this injury for him is not too long because you, know, you can't judge him. That's the second or third game at 10 for Leinster in the last two years. And we played a couple of games in New Zealand, but it will take a long time to get that. Uh, and while Leinster are able to put 42 on Benetton and not actually play massively well like not nothing 
to the high standard that they're capable. Uh, it's fine to breed them in like that. We've said this for the last few years. Is Ross Byrne has been very comfortable at 10 for Leinster in games where they've been dominant. And that was the same with Frawley in that instance. And I thought Ross Byrne was much better when he came on. And I hope Frawley's injuries not let him leaving him out too long because I do think he is a phenomenal player and like, like you know he's playing a lot of 12 the last couple of years but I said it the season before last was like I'd love Connick to go for him because I think he was the answer to a lot of what we needed which was someone that could play 10 or 12 someone that had the ability to lead the line and someone that I think has a hell of a high ceiling so not the best outing from him but they still won 42 10 and you know he, he came out of it with a couple of conversions and played all right but it was a forwards game really that the Leinster backs were they were they didn't click uh they they look like they're still getting to know each other getting to know the system getting to know kind of natai coming in and um uh, the, the likes and you know breeding in some some of the younger players and bringing through some players and the, the frawley experiment so it wasn't yeah it was a bit disjointed in the backs it wasn't great but the four is just so dominant and uh jason jenkins kind of you know showing his showing his worth now at this point and she and scoring tries for fun van der fleer popping up on the wing the only try that they actually bothered to go wide for it was van der fleer flying on the wing so yeah, all in all, professional performance from Leinster and probably not much asked of them. Wasn't the best performance, but yeah, they got they got a big win anyway. Yeah, I'm just looking through stats here. It's still so weird to see 20 points behind so, beside someone's name, not even like a hooker. But uh, I still think sneakily Ross Byrne could be the best ten of all these Leinster tens that isn't Johnny Sexton. Like it's just it's like everyone keeps coming up with these different names, and they all seem to fall by the wayside uh, somewhere or other. And then Ross Byrne always seems to be the one coming on. Uh, See, I, I, I don't doubt at all. I think Ross Byrne is, without a doubt, their best URC 10. But I think when push comes to shove in a big game against the La Rochelle or you know, a big game when Sexton's not there, if you get to the, the business end of the Champions Cup or the business end of the URC, I think you just need that a little bit more. I think like Ross Byrne is extremely professional in the way that he goes about things. He plays, he plays a decent game of rugby with a very strong pack in front of him and very good sender outside of him. So... You know, there's not much questions to be asked, but I think Sexton's that level above, and Leinster just looking for someone with that level above uh, to step into the shoes of of Leinster looking for that uh, player with who is capable of stepping into Sexton's shoes, and you know, they think Frawley might be that. And I don't doubt that Ross Byrne is capable of taking seventy five to eighty percent of the games each year, but when it comes to those big crunch matches, there's a reason why you know Ross Byrne gets into the semifinals and Sexton comes out for the semifinals. Yeah, Westy, Stuart Lancaster confirmed that he's leaving at the end of the season. And my question to you is this, Westy. Will Leinster win a game next year? Um, no, I think the Sam prophecy is being fulfilled and the, the bubble the bubble's burst. I mean, it is consider it's itself burst. burst. I mean, that was a moral victory for Ben and Tom. We all know it. Like, you know, we're all hesitating to say it. Um, but yeah, no, like it's, I think, there's a lot of like questions been thrown up about it. Like, I don't think he could have done it in any better way. He's now to the start of the season. He's been there for six or seven years. Like, it's fair enough that a man can, you know, or that a person can want to have a new challenge after that. You know, like he, he he's done so much for him. He's given everything that he can to him, and you know now he's kind of he's up for something else. He's going to be director of rugby against, you know, one of the top clubs in or one of the, director of rugby for one of the top clubs in the world. So, um, I think I think Lancer fans would look at his time as 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 good as it was, okay, there's a small lack of silverware maybe that they thought they might have get over the last few years, but um, no, I think I think to come out and say it, and apparently he said it in the changing room with the squad on um, on uh, Friday evening, um, 
So he couldn't have been more upfront about it. It's not like a deal's been done in the background. And you'll start to hear it. If, if results start going their way, it's going to be the same thing with Van Graaf. People are like, oh, why don't you just leave now? Well, no, because it's not how rugby works. Like He has a job to do, and he's going to do it the best of his ability at the end of the season. Um, I don't think that will happen with someone like Lancaster. I think he has enough you know, he's enough credit in the bank. And also, the Leicester season isn't going to turn around too badly this year. Um, but, yeah, I think it will be, it'll be a pretty massive gap to fill. Like, Cullen as well is on one-year rolling contract. So, I imagine Cullen will, Cullen will probably stay another year after this because it'd be strange to see both coaches go. But that's a pretty big gap in who you get to fill. Um, he definitely takes a lot of the day-to-day training work and, you know, there's already speculation of, you know, it'd been Raj or it'd been Scott Robinson. I think they're optimistic for Raj, to be honest with you, even Scott Robinson to a certain extent. But, Scott Robinson yeah, always um, gets thrown into these come, things. Like, no matter what job oh, it is, sure. Scott Robinson's in. He's also Scott Robinson, he's the best, he's the coach of the best team in the world, should be honoured that Irish teams are interested in him, Steve, you know? That's a good point. I never thought of it that well, way, I see. Both of them are under contract, and I don't think either will want to work under a different director of rugby. So I think that there's a serious sea change needed and a lot of cash needed if they want either of those two players, either of those two coaches. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's an internal hire, uh, you know, promote from within. I think Goodman's, by all accounts, looking quite good. And I think that Leinster have a system in place that Lancaster has been part of that would allow for that. Uh, if, if this year goes to plan and they do win something, I think that you could see an internal hire and Leo kind of keeping his position maybe more of a director of rugby but yeah I don't see them Robertson or uh, Raj coming in no I don't think so either I think uh, rumour has as well like in dress room as you said Wesley he just said peace out bitches and dropped the microphone I don't even know where he got a microphone from do you know what I mean I think he slapped Johnny Sexton across the face it was a weird way to go out personally but you know whatever whatever you want to do Stewie you do uh, if you can go to Racing and win a, a Champions Cup with them then I don't think there's much left you can do really is there in the club game so um, yeah, they'll be fine, I think. Well, again, we'll see, Sam. Only time will tell. Uh, I think it's a bit like Pep Guardiola where he goes all these teams and it's like, oh, he's a great manager or is it just a great team? Uh, is it, great is it just a rake of cash? Well, that too as well. Yeah, that too as well. But yeah, let's are back to their professional best here this weekend. Um, game of the, including of all the provinces, the best game was the Ulster game. It was on the same time as Connacht. We should have watched that instead. Uh, Ulster winning 55 points uh, to 39 against Scarlets. Uh, eight tries Ulster racked up. Uh, Cooney had seven uh, conversions and three penalties. He also scored a, a try, two tries himself. How many points did he end up with? That's pretty some going. Um, how many points did he finish up with? 30 points for John Cooney. Uh, take that, Dan Sheehan, you piece of shit. Uh, but yeah, Ulster looked very impressive. Uh, definitely conceded probably too many points for their own liking. Watching this game back in highlights, just looked like neither team could really stop each other. Um, but Ulster, two games in, Sam would be pretty happy with where they're standing. Oh, they'd be delighted. No, like an away away game uh, in Scarlets, it's not going to be the hardest game. It's not going to be the easiest either. But they were brilliant in the manner in which they attacked. I think the first five to ten minutes before the first try was just phenomenal, like the relentlessness in which they attacked. They were back and forth. They were going, they were going, they were going. They finally got the reward after about five minutes. Kept going after that. The first 20 minutes was, was four tries in 20 minutes. It was, you know, what what was it? 14-12 uh, or something. Then it went to 15-14. And it was a yellow card. It was, it was back and forth. It was huge for both teams. It was a brilliant display. And then Ulster kind of just let loose in the second half and started to really, like, uh, stack up those points. So... They'll be delighted. They'll want to really push on from where they were last year because they were in and around it last year. They had some great results against uh, 
Leinster home and away and you know I'd say and Munster as well and I'd say that they'll want to push on and really compete this year and I think that they've been building in such a way that they can you have Cooney back fit and firing scoring a lot of points there scoring just making sure everyone f- doesn't forget about him because Doak has been front center in all the headlines the last year or two and I think Cooney's just going to be like no just remember remember who was nominated for European player of the year remember who's been winning all these games for the last couple of years you know I don't think he's going to go go down quietly. So it's going to be a really interesting nine battle there. Uh, and on the whole, like even if you look at some of the players like Vermeulen and Henderson and stuff that they have to come back, it's it's scary to think of the heights that Ulster can get to this year. But yeah, maybe a little caveat to that would they be a bit disappointed conceding 39, considering Connacht only conceded 38 and everyone's saying it was the worst defensive performance ever. And they were like, oh, up in arms about it you can see 39 but when you score 55 it doesn't matter so i don't think they'd be too i don't think we'd be too worried about it i think it was just a free-flowing game and that's what happened but mike lowry was brilliant i thought he attacked the line so well and i thought he brought other players into it so yeah i think when they're when they're purring like that there's no stopping i think uh, mccluskey is again raising his hand for an irish call-up or at least um you know throwing his hand head in, or hat into the ring i don't know if andy farrell sees him as that especially in a world cup year but the first two games, he's been incredible, and he's really shown why he is. As I said, I think he's a fantastic URC player. I don't know if he is international level, um, but Stockdale's back looks fantastic as well. Luke Marshall's been epic. I mean, it's just it's a fantastic team to watch, and as you said, the, men, the, the lads have to come back as well. Um, they're only going to get better and better and better. Could this be the year, Westy, that, that Ulster push on to that next level? I know it's two games in, so could you give us a prediction for the rest of the season, please, uh, Westy? Um, well, I think you know the next couple of weeks will tell a lot. I think they have um, Leinster at home. Is it the week after next, or is it next weekend? Um, oh, this week, so isn't it? This week, is it? Yeah. Um, so that would be really telling. I mean, that would be kind of their marking point, you know. I mean, um, now look, they've beaten Leinster in a regular season last year, and, and not really be able to replicate that form in other games. So it won't be the be all and end all. But I think it's an important step in their development. It looks like a lot of their players are kind of reaching their prime in that sense in the terms of like the peaks of their abilities or maybe it's the case of Dan Farland's kind of visions are finally solidifying he's, he's been there a good few years now and he's had a lot of time with these players he's he's built them into the kind of organization that I think he he tried to implement in Connacht and that he kind of wants to implement um and, and is implementing is actively implementing in Ulster and um, you've also got a situation now I think Ulster are, are they're kind of where Connacht want to be except they're like two years ahead of us you know they They've spent a lot of time. Their, the academy has developed a lot over the last few years. They have these young lads. They've got, you know, Ethan McElroy and Doak and, and like a good few others coming through now that are really presenting as as real possibilities as, as starters going forward, as well as having, let's say, international standard players already in that starting position. You know, your likes of Balakun and, and Cooney, who, you know, there is already murmurs of Cooney again with an Ireland conversation. So, um, I mean, I think that's, it, it's ironic to hear it now. You're the second... Um, Maybe other players aren't playing as well. It would have been um, so funny if they sent him on the Emerging Ireland tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know, is it Ulster's year? I think in a way, Stephen, it kind of has to be this year or it's probably not going to be any of the next few years because they are going to reach a point where they're kind of, they're bigger players, they're, they're marquee players. And, and I include Cooney in that, or are they going to age out of it or move on if if they don't realize their potential, like I, I think like they were very unfortunate in their uh, semi-final last year. I said to you guys, if, if they'd finished out that game, I, I really think they would have gone on to win the whole competition, you know, especially the fact that uh, Leinster weren't there. To, that, that Leinster also went out in the semi-final. So um, 
I think Ulster have the player pool and they have the kind of the game plan to win it this year. It's just whether or not it can come together for them. Um, I do think, unfortunately, it's not a ticking clock, but they could be about to reach their kind of their peak this year. And there, there could be negative connotations if they don't follow through. They've said themselves that, uh, I think you said it with um, with the Ulster rugby lad on the, on the preseason podcast. Like, unfortunately, it's silverware now this year, or it's a final this year and a strong performance, or it's a bad season. Yeah, and I think they're linked with uh, Kitschoff after the World Cup as well. And if that came to fruition, that is a ridiculous signing. Like, we'd be sitting here kind of going, for fuck's sake, like, give us one South African who went to the World Cup, let alone, like, went as a punter, like, let alone a I was going to say, yeah, one of the fans. <laughs> yeah, just, just give us someone, like, but, uh, yeah, if they manage to secure him, I do think, yeah, we kind of win now mode, really, like they say in American football. I think they'd be making a move forward this year because... The likes, of, yeah, like Wesley said, like for your Vermoulins and your Coonies and your Hendersons and stuff, they are, they're coming to the end uh, for Ulster and just in their careers in general. So it's, I think, yeah, I think they're building for a win now sort of season uh, and they're looking like they're, they're definitely going to be in the conversation. So, yeah, if you're listening to Ulster Rugby, it's piss or get off the pot this year. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I, I'm hopeful for them that they can. Um, moving on to the last uh, province in action, Munster. Uh, losing away to Dragons 23.17 um, the slow start kind of continues for Munster um, again chatting to Owen Harrison or it could have been his tweets similar to what Connacht kind of went through as well a lack of real which is unusual for Munster a lack of kind of aggression a lack of a lack of viciousness even the you know the the cynical uh, West you're going with words cynicism is that the word? Cynicism. Cynicism, thank you. Cynicalism. To, that's, Cynicalism. I, I said that on the radio last night and I, I absolutely put myself in a tongue twister. Um, the cynicism that we normally would, you know, the dark arts that Munster are really good at and we've I've complimented them in the past for, that's not even there at the moment and that's what kind of got Munster through so many games last year was when it wasn't playing well, they could still dog it out and the last two weeks they've been in positions to do that late in the game and they just haven't. And at no point during this game did I think that they were the better team. Like, Dragons played pretty well. and They looked like they were the ones creating the chances. You know, lads are missing. Like, Omani's missing tackles. It's just very un-Munster at the moment. And again, they have the excuse this year. They are going through what they're... Well, they're saying they're going through a transition period. Um, new systems in, new coaches in. So, they have that always in the back of, the, you know, that this is a, a transition year for them. But, Sam, what did you think of this Munster performance? I thought Munster fans would be rightfully very disappointed with it. I thought that the players would be disappointed. Although Roundtree was really honest in his summation of it, I thought it just wasn't good enough from their point of view. Uh, the fact that they nearly monstered it was, you know, would have been a complete farce from four Dragons. The Dragons played really well. They were aggressive in the line. They dominated. Uh, they dominated on the line. They ran much better lines. They were much less sloppy. I thought Munster were uncharacteristically sloppy in a lot of things. I thought that their midfield didn't work at all. Uh, I thought that they were very tame around the breakdown. And then when it got to a point uh, after Dragons had scored and Munster had an opportunity, they were in the 22 and it just, it just petered out. And then they let Dragons out. Dyer stepped Zebo and ran. They went down the pitch 75 metres. And that was kind of indicative of the entire day. It was just, it was, it was so standard right across the board. But... I think that Munster will just look to the fact that there's been a huge upheaval, upheaval. There's a change in style. Players have been outspoken about it all week. There's wingers talking about you know how they didn't enjoy playing the last couple of years because all they were doing was kick chase and they're being 
given license to run a bit more. So I think you'll see Munster grow into the system a little bit more, but they, they won't want to keep losing. There's every next week, which is a perfect opportunity to get five points, but they won't want to keep losing because they'll put themselves mathematically out of contention uh, for the top eight or for Champions Cup qualifications if they don't you know, get their act together a bit and get a couple of wins. So yeah, they, they won't be happy with that at all. I think that there was a, a disappointing game. I thought there was summed up with moments of petulance, like Peter Mahoney gave away a penalty because he was, pushing and shoving on the offside line and the scrum half just threw it at him over the offside line scrum half just threw it at him got it got the penalty there uh and that that summed up the entire day i just think monster weren't weren't at the races and it wasn't system failures it was actually individual errors it was taking the foot off the gas it wasn't aggression it wasn't bringing tackles it was missing you know easy passes easy hit fans and stuff that they can definitely work on and get better at but yeah you'd be you'd be a little bit worried if you were them but you just always have to remember that they have the new coaching ticket in and then you have to just give a word to Dragons. I'd said the same when Dragons beat us last year, beat Connick last year. I was saying Dragons for a couple of years had been recruiting quite well and had been looking to make that next step up. And when they beat Connick, I thought it was going to be that. They just outclassed us. There was no excuses from Connick. They were just better than us on the day. Uh, and then they went and fucking did nothing else for the rest of the year and made me look like a right fool. But uh, no, I think that this was a really, really good display from all of them. I think they've got some lovely players. I think Hanrahan is a good signing for them missed one kick but then you know we got his one at the end he got the win so he'll be happy out uh, and I think that the Dyer would look Dyer look lightning on one wing and Ashton Hewitt always looks lightning on the other wing Tane Basham just a turnover machine he's he brings so much so yeah if, if Dragons can kick on a little bit they'll get more kind of I think that the the basement is coming up at the bottom of this league table and it's just making the league ever so stronger and stronger I think the league is probably you know stronger in the premiership at the moment especially given the news today so yeah I think you have to give a lot of praise to dragons as well as to, like just say that monster will be disappointed with the performance it wasn't good enough but dragons i thought were very good and well worth the win in the end and i think the 17 points flatters monster i think that they got away with a, another losing bonus point this week yeah i think you're right though that the basement like there's no bad teams anymore in the URC. there's no easy games but um westy i have a question for you do you love a good purchase do you love a bargain uh, yeah, yeah. I, I often buy things on sale that I don't need. Just because it's a good deal, I'm going to buy that. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what the bargain of the year has been so far? I would say the best purchase of the year so far. Do you want to guess? Uh, RG Simon. No, it's I refuse paying for half of Simon Zebo's wages. Uh, so <laughs> remember when they brought him back so he could just be on Irish squads and Six Nations squads and all that? Do you know what I mean? Uh, how how how's that been going so far? Uh, I think we're in the second year of two years. Um, and I think it's money well spent. Money you know? well spent. In this economic climate where everything's going up, getting one of your players half paid for is genius. And I just want to credit Munster for that. And we're not bitter at all about it. He's also not the only one that's half paid for. They got some external investment in a couple of South African World Cup winners as well. And I, I don't mind Malachi. that as much because that, that's just great that they have that. But when the IRFU are actually paying for half it because Andy Farrell wanted Zebo back for Irish squads. And uh, as far as I'm allegedly. aware, he's... As, allegedly. Allegedly, sorry. Yeah, don't sue me. Yeah, Simon well, you, you have to understand that this was a brilliant plan until my boy Mac Hansen stepped off the plane and instantly sidestepped Dublin airport security. People were like, whoa. Who is this guy? It's like it's Mackenzie fucking Hansen, you pieces of shit. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just poking fun, just because that's it's an easy target, and yeah, he hasn't really played that well since he's returned. So, um, yeah, sorry, I couldn't resist monster fans. Uh, look, it, it, you know, it's it's been rough for us Connacht fans. So, cut, cut me some slack. Uh, apologies, but uh, yeah, look, yeah, monster, like monster, monster are playing shit, but they're not 
dead bottom with zero points. They got two points at least. <laughs> so uh, it is, it's is—it's been rougher for us than it has been for them. They have just made as wins as we do, though. So yeah, true. swings and roundabouts, my friends. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, but it's, it's as Sam already said, it's really focused on last year. Like, Okay, these are let's say, these are theoretically two games at Munster. Especially let's say one game, Munster would have tar- would have envisioned that they won, but at least they came away with the two losing bonus points, and those two losing bonus points could be the difference between, well, you know, either a home or an away quarterfinal or, or a quarterfinal at all. Like the the top eight was very tight last year. There was you know there was a very small amount of points in it. So the fact that they managed to get those points, I think one of the things that and Sam said like you have to credit Dragons. I think it's a it's a um, kind of template for staying in the game. And waiting for your moment to get that victory. You know, Hanrahan kicked, what was it, five penalties they kicked in the first yeah. half? You know, 15. They also turned down about 10 chances in the second half that they could have just gotten in. But like, they kept going to the corner and they're not coming up. But fair play to them. Yeah, but I mean, like, to keep that score at set, was a 17 5 at half time? Like, and, and look, as I say, okay, they went for the corner. But they backed themselves to be in a position to take the win and, and they got it. So I think it's really good game management from them. You know, okay, they, they may have caught Munster on. I don't want to say an off day, but I, you know, in a couple of rebuilding phases. But I can already tell you guys, I guarantee you, I'll, I'll say it right now, Monster, the Monster game plan will come to fruition in week four. Oh, uh, who, 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 who they play that week? Yeah. <laughs> On the new AstroTurf. Yeah, that'll really help them. I think as well, I think the Monster also, it's, I know one player doesn't make a huge difference, but John Klein going off when he did, uh, I think that they had a game plan that was involved him being stronger than everyone else on the pitch. Uh, and that just, I think Byrne is a, an amazing player. He's one of Ireland's best players. He's week in, week out amazing, but I don't think he brought what they wanted from him. And then later on, there was a weird decision to take Casey off. I know you takes from halves off at certain points and you, you move players, but I think Casey was actually playing quite well. And I, I think it was just a few too many changes at the wrong time. And it just, it, it, any semblance of kind of cohesiveness they had just went out the window at those points. Yeah, no, um, yeah, look, a monster will figure it out uh, at some stage, um, and then when they do, it could be it could be lights out for everybody. But um, we'll wrap it up there, boys. We'll just give a, a quick shout out to Carl Ford, who got called up to the Ireland Emerging Tour. Um, be, hopefully, he gets some game time. Be good to see him. Well deserved. Going to Butler as well. Uh, I don't think no. It was only Maybe three lads that. called up. It was um, Ford, Ben Murphy, and David McCann from Ulster. Oh, sorry. They were the three lads who got caught up with the injuries. So, uh, yeah, as a recap as well on, I know we mentioned it, but just to recap, uh, Blade uh, was flying home to Ireland, I think, tomorrow or the day after to get scans. But I think they said that he was up kind of limping around. Like, it's, it doesn't seem, hopefully, too too disastrous. But um, one thing before we go, there will be hats on the way. Beanies hats coming with the Master of None logo on them. Um, different colours and whatnot. I'll, you'll see them on the Instagram and the Twitter when they uh, when they are out. Um, but yeah, they'll be up for sale. A very reasonable price. I'm a very reasonable guy. Uh, Eighty euro for a hat uh, in this economic climate. Again, I might get there a few to pay for half it though. Actually, how about that, lads? How about that for a, a oh, business yeah. plan? Uh, but yeah, and maybe some hoodies. Well. <laughs> it won't be the most useful hat, but it'll be it'll be well worth it. At least, yeah, exactly, yeah, uh, yeah. So just keep an eye on for that. If you're interested in that, you can always DM me, and um, yeah, it'd be a bit of crack. But uh, appreciate it, lads. We'll be back next week, hopefully with some more positivity uh, on the way. But all uh, positivity now. We're going to tame the bulls this week. Yes, absolutely. Until then, boys, appreciate it. Bye. Bye.